0: Thank you for tuning in to the Meaning of Everything podcast, where we take the deepest look possible at what it means to be human, because it matters. So today is episode 15X, and I am going to be talking about mystery within the Christian tradition. Now, the reason I want to do this is because I think we have a, we tend to take a very monolithic, approach to world religions if we're not familiar with them. Or often if we are familiar with them, you know, we tend to think that there's one way and, you know, the secular view of Christianity and all the world traditions, again, these days is so, it's vastly oversimplified. And earlier this week on this podcast, if you haven't listened to it yet, I never tell people what to do. So I would say I highly recommend the extremely enlightening and enjoyable podcast that I had with a theoretical physicist named Marcelo Gleiser, who believes that, who sees, who discerns, because I think he's correct, that we tend to really overemphasize the importance of final answers with respect to the sciences and are sort of caught up in this triumphalist quest To have complete knowledge and you know there's definitely some deep existential yearning at the bottom of that definitely and it's scary to move into a viewpoint in which you embrace uncertainty and ambiguity and live outside on the edge of your comfort zone pretty much spiritually to do that sort of thing which I think is, is really noble and important and a beautiful way to be spiritual. And it's, it's the way that I tend to do it. So Marcelo talked a lot about that. And I think the contrast here, you know, we tend to see certainty everywhere and we tend to see this a lot in religion. We tend to think that religion is about providing people with certain answers and creating these neat, cute little worldviews, whatever profound, majestic worldviews that solve your problems, that take you to heaven, that do X, Y, and Z functions. We see religions like this, and scientists often see religion in this very, like I mentioned, simplified kind of way. And so I want to talk today, I will talk a little bit today about how much uncertainty and humility about our ability to know things has actually been present in traditions that we think of as providing final answers, like Christianity, for pretty much ever. So I'm going to talk about that, and hopefully it'll be a little bit interesting and a little bit relevant and a little bit important. I have a little bit of shopkeeping to do before we jump in. Uh, As ever, this is an X episode. It's a brief one, so I, I will try to keep it quick. I also, in these episodes, announce winners of my book giveaway because I give away books because I'm nice. And also, that's not true. Uh, because I, A, I really, really love giving away books. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm always handing out books on my bookshelf and then having to replace them. B, I like to thank people. Most importantly, I like to thank people who leave reviews of this podcast because it's so important for us being able to be somewhat of a successful community of people who are trying to interrogate and think really deeply about what it means to be human and, and how that can help us become better versions of ourselves you know, and, and build a better world. So uh, if you do that, then you get entered into a drawing for the book giveaway. Our winner this week, his name is Andrew Kowalski. I will be sending him a book later at the end of this week once he emails me back and tells me which one he wants. I have a list of the books that I'm giving away on my website, slash book giveaway. I say this in many of the episodes, so I don't mean to bore you by bringing it up again, but it's really cool and really fun. And for people on the video, I keep glancing over to the left. Sorry, because I'm looking at my bookshelf and all the just... uh, It's really inspiring books. Books are amazing, you know? And last, uh, earlier this week, I had on Marcelo Gleiser, and he's written five books to date. He has another one coming out soon-ish. But I highly recommend checking out his works. I put some links to his books in the show notes for the episode that he was on. Uh, Really, really brilliant and can change your life if you're interested in the universe, in the origins of life in the universe or in just trying to make sense of things in a really beautiful way in the modern world so check that all out and thank you so much so i will just jump into what i wanted to address today so religion does it provide us with final answers you know does it provide us with with neat solutions to complex problems Is it like how we practice the sciences? Not that we should do it this way, but is it like how we do that these days? It's not. Now these threads in most world traditions, including Christianity, that embrace mystery and uncertainty and the inability of humans to know, these threads are often subversive. Sometimes they manage to be popular, Uh, So it totally depends based on the person in the tradition, but usually they're not super, super mainstream. And this is, of course, because we like answers. You know, we like, and also we like very personable answers. We like when we can tell a story about a man in the sky who controls things and has a relationship with us. You know, it's very easy for us to do as social beings, as beings that are always seeing agency and personalities and stuff everywhere it's very easy for us to want to and just do it impulsively believe in this in this guy in the sky <clears throat> but most religious traditions have have pushed beyond that somewhat simplistic image over the course of thousands of years and have always had some threads of people saying look we you know how do we know it's much more elusive than this often this is talked about in terms of mysticism a mysticism is the type of religiosity or a category of behavior within religiosity of actions within religiosity that have to do with experiencing god or seeking god or divinity or if you're in an eastern tradition then not god or divinity but um, a sense of release or enlightenment liberation through this sort of humble experience of reaching out with meditation or other kinds of (laughs) drugs you know there's there's many different many different means by which to do this so mysticism is that sort of reaching and that's related to what I'm talking about, but here today I want to introduce some terms that are, they're not very popular terms, but they're very cool ones. Um, they are apophatic and cataphatic. So apophatic and cataphatic are two different kinds of theology, which is basically thinking about the divine, basically. And it's its theology in here is from, from the Christian tradition, but... We use the language of apophatic and cataphatic to describe the theology that's being done. Now, this language comes from a thinker about 1,600 years ago now, um, whose name was Proclus. Proclus was a part of the lineage of Plato, and was therefore technically what we would call a Neoplatonist, somebody who's continually churning through the interpretations of Plato, you know, reinterpreting Plato. Proclus came up with these words, apophatic and cataphatic. Now, apophatic means not knowing, basically, or more precisely, saying that you can really only make negative statements about the divine. You can say what God isn't, but you can't say what God is. And so in a sense, you can kind of say what God is by saying what God isn't, but you can't say what God is. And this is just a position of humility in front of, you know, of the vast cosmos and our unknowingness of it. And cataphatic, the opposite of apophatic is listing, describing attributes of God. And so, the Eastern Orthodox Church develops to actually embrace more apophatic theology, which is fascinating. But the Western Christian churches, these do develop in a cataphatic way, more or less. But the apophatic does sort of exist alongside it in these little streams all throughout the history of of Western Christianity. Now, there was this... uh, thinker, theologian, philosopher, theologian, a student of Proclus, his name was Dionysus, the, sorry, Pseudo-Dionysus the Areopagite. Now, this is a pseudonym, uh, but this name, uh, this guy, ended up being one of the most, arguably the most, influential apophatic thinkers in the history of, of Western thought, of Christianity, or what have you. A lot of the Eastern Orthodox tradition, you know, builds builds upon this, and, and all of the thinkers who are descending from and, and again, churning through these ideas, there's always, there's always so many people, um, Gregory of Nyssa, Basil the Great, John of Damascus, who said that uh, positive statements around God reveal, and I quote, Not the nature, but the thing around the nature, right? And so you cannot actually talk about the nature of God. Fascinating, right? And so these things, all those thinkers are within the very popular within the Eastern Orthodox traditions. Now, these threads in the West start to come back. Pseudo Dionysus starts to make a comeback in around the ninth century. Now this is like the Middle Ages, like the heart of the Middle Ages when everything sucks so bad. Well, it's actually kind of making a little bit of a turnaround after the the Carolingian Empire rules in France, but, and the Middle Ages were really hard. (laughs) That's just a side note. And then pseudodionysis starts to make a comeback and people begin to take a second look at this apophatic approach, this idea that we can't, necessarily be making statements about these like massive things you know how, how how do we where do we where do we think we have the right where do we get the basis to make these claims maybe it's smarter maybe it's more humble and maybe it's more accurate for us to take a position of embracing the mystery of god the mystery of whatever exists and only only approach it you know, through the lens of, of what we can't know. So St. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas was one of the most famous theologians in the history of Christianity. It's like Aquinas, Augustine, Jesus, <laughs> Paul, um, Aquinas and Augustine. Aquinas was very, very famous. He was at the tail end of the Middle Ages, and he wrote a lot about uh, he was bringing Aristotle back bringing Aristotle back. His Aristotelian texts had long been lost, and they made their way back to Europe via the Arabic world, actually, uh, around this time. So St. Thomas Aquinas wrote so many words, <laughs> and he also cites Dionysus. I think the numbers, what was the number I, I read recently? 1760 times? You know, well, to be fair, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a lot of words, but he cites Pseudo Dionysus a lot, and it's in a little it's a more Aristotelian frame, but Pseudodionys definitely is 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 reemerging here in the West. And there is some mysticism that is also unfolding, coming out of the middle middle ages, and we see a lot of apophatic feelings here. There's a <clears throat> Mystic theologian. There's a mystic in the Christian tradition that I highly recommend checking out the writing of. His name is Meister Eckhart. M-E-I-S-T-E-R Eckhart E-C-K. And a Meister Eckhart actually is uh, has a selections of writings in one of the books that I am giving away from my book giveaway. It's called Love Poems from God, the book it's uh, edited and translated by Daniel Ladinsky. You can, you can see it on StephanieRuper.com slash book giveaway if you want to, but this is one of my favorite, favorite books, Love Poems from God. And nice. <laughs> there's a, there's a series of writings in there from Meister Eckhart that are very epophatic and beautiful. I was tempted to, the book is is right over here, it's within arm's reach, tempted to read a passage to you. Uh, I won't. If you want me to do that in a future podcast, I can um, someday just do poetry readings for you. I don't know, maybe that would be fun. But Meister Eckhart writes beautifully. So anyway, there's that um, St. John of the Cross wrote a poem and then commentary on the poem called dark night of the soul now this phrase is often used to talk about now especially in christianity like wrestling with your relationship with god like the dark night of the soul but what he actually meant when he first wrote this and you can tell from reading his commentary on it, he's very explicit is that it's it's dark because you you can't know god and you can't even know the path to god but you must traverse it anyway, which is just, which is lovely. And I want to jump ahead a few hundred years. Now these things all continue to exist. And then we jump to the 1800s when a man named Soren Kierkegaard, who was regarded as the first existentialist, which is very interesting. He was also very, very Christian. Um, Adopted somewhat of an apophatic approach and out of this concept is he was also the first person to really articulate the idea of a leap of faith in those words that we sort of use in the modern context today and so in that sense Kierkegaard takes this idea of our apophatic our unknowingness our inability to know things about God and the universe and and what-have-you articulates this leap of faith we must because we have no other choice we must just have faith and he's saying this in a very apathetic sense but it gets used by people after Kierkegaard to say that to, it gets applied to Christianity in the way that you must take this leap and you must believe X, Y, and that you must believe these things but that is absolutely opposite from the root that it comes from which is fascinating and really important, I think, for understanding our spirituality today and our world in general, because we are obsessed with finding the right answers and we are obsessed with arguing about who's right and we are obsessed with us being right. And I'll talk in in a, in a week, next week, um I'll be having conversations about uncertainty in the modern world, um, which is really beautiful and important. And of course, it's the topic of my of the book that I'm working on. But we are we have taken something that's really beautiful and about humility in front of the vastness of the cosmos and what divinity may or may not exist, or in what form, and turned it into something that is shallow in a sense, the shallow in the sense, not necessarily, I'm not saying people's spirituality is, is shallow or meaningless, but rather that we become almost petty in our attachment to our specific answers and our specific view of the way things are, our specific views of God or of science, right? this is representative of just what we do as humans. You know, we've taken, we've taken this vast, beautiful concept and, and turned it into something that is like i said shallow and small i think it's small to always think that you know the answers to everything i think that that's i think that that's small and i think that that actually comes from a place of <clears throat> weakness can i say that actually comes from a place of not wanting to not being willing to step somewhat boldly into a space in which you admit that you don't know and you keep seeking like marcello Geyser said our guest from the other day go listen to the podcast it is the quest that makes us matter and i absolutely agree with that and i think it's really beautiful and of course it's hard and different and challenging and there are many other beautiful ideas out there but i really really like this one and so i think this is all just something to worth is something worth sitting on and i hope that in this really brief discussion of Christian history, I have managed to not be overly boring, and rather just to map for you the shape that this mystery has taken throughout religiosity in the West over the course of thousands of years and provided some ways for us to reflect on you know, what, what we're up to today. So I'm going to leave it at that because I've been talking for a while. I already told you about the giveaway and all this stuff. You know where to find me. Please, please, please join me. Please, please, please write reviews and do what you can to help if you want. Uh, But don't if you don't. I am grateful for you all as ever. Please be in touch if you have any questions or concerns. And we'll be on next week to talk about existential uncertainty and race and politics and everything that makes us in our society so troubled today I'm very much looking forward to it this is Stephanie Rupert and the Meaning of Everything podcast take care